0: This week on A Lively Experiment, after a particularly bad stretch of violent crime, the mayor of Providence is catching criticism from some of his colleagues in other communities. And as the Delta variant marches on, the governor holds steady on restrictions for now.
1: A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by...
2: For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us on this week's panel,
0: Bob Walsh, Executive Director of the National Education Association, Rhode Island, Republican strategist Lisa Pelosi, and former Cranston Mayor, Alan Fung. Welcome, everyone. I'm Jim Hummel. It is great to have you with us this week. Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza, who has his eye on a run for governor next year, has his hands full in the mayor's office these days. His police union is blasting him for not letting them do their jobs amidst the spike in violent crime, while the city council president wants to see Alorza take the governor up on his offer to send in state police to help. Alan, let me begin with you as a former mayor. Some of your colleagues, I think there's been some... (laughs) Maybe pent up frustration with the mayor. He's getting it from all sides. That really surprised me this week that some people are speaking publicly from their mayor's chairs.
2: Well, you know, one of the things that uh, many of those mayors are from cities and towns bordering Providence. And we've seen in Cranston, you know, sometimes that spillover effect. And you have to basically lock it down. You know, take a strong stand against those ATVs. You know, when I was mayor, we locked it down when it came to Garden City, when it came to what happened on Elmwood Avenue. Sending out in force that strong message that it won't be tolerated, that it's not going to be in our house, is what's needed. And for his men and women on the department... They need that support. They need the backup. They need to know that the people upstairs have their back. That's how you're going to reduce the violence that's going on in Providence right now.
0: Yeah, the larger issue of the crime, though, I mean, you had the woman shot, you know, young woman, I know her mother from Rick, and it just, people are nervous about going to Providence, Bob, and that's not a good look. No matter how you try to tell them this is targeted, the city's safe, it's not good for anybody.
1: It's very frustrating. People are nervous about going to Providence. I'm still committed to Providence. I'm having dinner in Providence tonight. We're filming on a Friday um... but a lot more needs to be done uh, i think the mayor uh, has to follow the council's lead in this case and take the state up on their offer to provide assistance um, i can be a liberal who cares about addressing the root causes of crime and still be sensible enough to realize we have to deal with things as they occur i cannot fathom in this day and age where if it's illegal for a dirt bike or an atv to be on the public streets why they haven't figured out why where they're coming from, and I know they've confiscated 200 of them, but apparently they need to do more. And I don't think those two things are uh, are in opposition to each other. Yes, we need to do more to make more opportunities available for folks, but we need to crack down hard on folks who are breaking the law, or we're going to lose tourists to our city.
3: You know, I think there were predictions that this summer that there would be increased violence. And then here we have in the city of Providence their number of police officers I think might be at one of their lowest. Um, levels where they are right now. I know they're in the process of recruiting, but there is this real dichotomy among the members of the community about law enforcement. Some who strongly believe that we need a strong police force and others who have been out there saying we want to defund the police and not provide the right funding for them. So we have that. I think
0: their tune is beginning to change a little bit though. Well, because
3: when the violence happens, what do people do? They call the police. They want the police to step in and they want them to be there. So we're seeing that right now. It's been so troubling in what you said. Um, this is starting to uh, impact the economy. We're Coming out of a pandemic, we want people to return to Providence, return to the theaters, return to dining. And how many people are, are th- hearing what happened over the weekend and saying, you know what? I'll think I'll go to Newport or Narragansett instead instead of coming into
2: Providence. Or Cranston.
3: At the very
0: least, and look at the risk of piling on the mayor, uh, Mayor Lorza, he seems to have a tin ear on this. And I would think if nothing else, I, I believe he cares about his city. I think he's trying to do the best job he can some would might take issue with that if you were going to run for governor wouldn't you want to get this under control as something (laughs) you certainly know about running for governor on your and you based a lot of your campaigns on what you had done in cranston it's it's a big noose around his neck or a a big uh, brick around his neck to to going forward to say hey this is the way i ran the city of providence he's not going to get
2: anywhere absolutely Every single move you make is going to be scrutinized to the T, to the letter. You know, you better dot your I's, cross your T's. And what's going on in Providence is certainly, certainly being seen statewide. And he really should listen because take a look at what uh, is going on in New York City right now. You know, the spike in violence. right now. Who did they just elect? Mm. You know, the for, a former police officer is probably going to be the next mayor of New York City because of the situation that's going on. You have to take care of what's going on in your backyard. That violence that's going on, that 24-year-old Meyer getting killed in Providence sends a bad message throughout the state, and you have to fix it.
0: And uh, Yeah,
1: I I don't think that Mayor Alorzer is going to be a particularly credible candidate for governor, a distance fourth, if he decides to stay in what looks like a crowded Democratic primary. Um, But even if he showed a glimmer the negative advertising they would pile upon him would be, un- I mean, he has to run away from his record. If a politician comes to me and says, I want to run for office, but I can't run on my record, I say, I don't think you can run for office. Well, and he hates it's, to say heartbreaking. it's political,
0: but you look at the whole thing that happened last week with the confrontation at Waterfire, and you wonder whether politics is bleeding a little bit into some of these decisions because he's thinking, when he was taking on the me- the governor, right? He's like, I need to be strong against Stan McKee.
3: Yeah, I mean, very simply put, The state took over Providence Schools. He hasn't been able in his seven years to come with any kind of solution with the pension problem, which continues to grow. And now we have violence. So why would anyone want to have him run the state when he can't even run his own city?
2: Yeah.
0: Any advice for the mayor?
2: (laughs) Keep raising money, because as I've, you know, gone through two gubernatorial campaigns, it's getting your message out, getting your message out to the masses. But he's going to have a lot, as we saw and, well, today. Yeah. To what
1: overcome. message, though? I mean, good yeah. policy makes good politics, and and this is there's no good policy here. I, I, it, it's mind-boggling because he's he's a smart guy, right? Mm-hmm. And and every decision along the way is just puzzling. Um, it's too bad because he's got you know hardworking staff, and there are a lot of good folks working for the city, uh, and. I I feel very badly for them, because it can't be fun going to work, uh, seeing these headlines day after day.
0: Yeah. Well, and another one of his communications staff bailed, went over to uh, the treasurer's office. There seems to be a pipeline over there. So who knows? Let's stay in Providence. Uh, Late last week, uh, actually, we taped right before the Providence Teachers Union voted on the new contract. Uh, They overwhelmingly approved it. Some have been critical as to whether this is the transformational contract. Uh, we need, let's start with Lisa. Um, I think there were some things given up, but the whole seniority issue seemed to not really be addressed. And we've lost two years since that Hopkins report came out.
3: Um, absolutely. You know, when the reports started coming out that the contract had been reached and you started hearing both sides, the man, or the state side and the union, and nobody was saying, oh, I'm disappointed that we had to do this or I have concerns about that. They were both sides saying very positive Um, comments about the contract. And I'm thinking, is this really going to be that transformational contract if nobody's disappointed with it? Also, what I've been waiting to see is look at the Johns Hopkins report, look at this contract. How does this contract address the issues that were brought up with the Johns Hopkins report? The lack of consistent curriculum throughout the district and sometimes in the schools, the ability to hire and fire, The absentee, they came up with, oh, for those teachers who take Mondays and Fridays off at 6, we might allow or require a doctor's um, note. I'm thinking, this is the kind of transformation that we need in Providence? I don't think so.
0: Not your union, but what what are you looking Um, at from Yeah,
1: we don't represent the Providence teachers. I'm very happy they uh, got an agreement, and I give a lot of credit to Governor McKee for sending his team in. I think a lot of the other rhetoric is just rhetoric. Every single contract in the northeast part of the United States has seniority provisions because seniority takes politics out of the hiring and firing process. Um, The principals by state law two years ago have authority over hiring into their buildings. So the idea that oh, we needed to change that, we changed that, and we changed it through state law. I so think that So that was there already? that that was there already. Really, yeah, was there already. To I think after that. the uh, you know, the mayor threw the keys on the table, he took away his rights to jump up and down on the outside and complain about it. And I think that getting uh, labor peace and the ability to move forward is a good idea. And we're going to be able to judge it on what happens in the coming year. Uh, folks were phenomenally hard uh, through the pandemic doing double duty, teaching the kids in front of them, teaching the kids on the computer screen at home. Um, there were a lot of students in Providence that we simply couldn't find during the pandemic. Um, you know, and you know all the day, I talk about the data when I'm on the phone, that uh, Providence has, uh, and Central Falls probably, uh, among the higher burdens in the state for external factors. I mean, poverty is a factor. Zip code does not dictate outcomes, but it tells you what the shape of the starting line is. The kids in Providence by and large need more resources and, and need more of everything that we can provide. The teachers actually proposed more time and and management didn't take them up on it. Why do you it. think? Uh probably because of the economics of it. I mean, in the old right, days, right? More time, to pay we it. used to have you know two hundred and thirty day programs. It gets picked up by community groups now, but there's nothing wrong with talking about and implementing things like that for the kids who need it the most. Uh, you know, and if and if we proposed it. it and I don't know why they didn't take it up. And we can still you can still do it. You don't have to wait for the next negotiations. You can come up with programs that make sense now.
2: And, you know, I want to pick up on a couple of points that Bob made, and especially what uh, Lisa pointed out. I would certainly describe this contract more as just buying labor piece. You know, you have some uh, pieces on both sides where you are to kind of be able to get some stuff back. But would I describe it as transformational? No, because there are a couple things that Lisa identified that needed to be addressed. Only
0: 20 but teachers voted against it. I, How controversial know, it, it, is it, it gonna be, right? No,
2: exactly. but here's where I wanted to see, and this gets into Bob's point. You know, coming from a multi-language background, a lot of those students in there are MLL, multi-language learners, we needed, to Bob's point, to provide more resources, more help to a lot of those students, that is starting to pivot away from you know, what you need, whether it's longer school days or additional resources to help a lot of those students, because that's going to be the basis of the foundation. If we're not doing that, we're failing a lot of those students in those urban core areas, especially like Providence. That's what I would have liked to see come out of that contract. He got political peace
3: with this. You know, we, we talk about trying to take politics out. Politics were not out because Governor McKee wants the union support. He wanted to have a long-term contract to get him beyond his election next year. And when he allowed his commissioner of education to be withdrawn from the negotiations and instead have his own staff person go in, that's something that the union wanted, that the union was up against, didn't like the change that the commissioner wanted to do, the transformational change. So he pulled her out. They got the contract. and now it comes down to why is this in the best interest of the students? And like you said, three years, here we go again. How many more years are going to have to go by? Again,
1: I have to weigh in on this because this is, and this comes up and it's often a a talking point of the folks who are on the other side of the political spectrum than I am. What do you expect a collective bargaining agreement to do? Why should the Providence contract be different than the Barrington contract as far as respecting seniority and everything else? The real underlying issue is the issue the mayor brought up. Rhode Island spends two thousand dollars less per student in public education than Massachusetts does. So all the Republican talking points about we got to run the schools yeah, like but, a business. But the money that is, doesn't always the money in. No, the, Sure it does. Sure it does. More time on task. More folks working specifically with kids who are struggling that English is not their first language at home. More pulling kids out and working with them on math and reading and basic skills. That's what the money goes towards. It's not going to teachers. Massachusetts pays their teachers more too. I'm not talking about paying the teachers more. I'm talking about more teachers to have more time with kids to bring Them up to par so we can be really competitive. And if you believe in a business model for the schools, why do you think we can pay less and do better?
2: Bob, let's just stop at some of (laughs) the Democratic talking points here because it's about the kids. I think that's where you know a lot of these talking points on either side aren't helping. Because you're right, resources for kids. It's got to be the resources for the kids. But you know until we. Put aside the Democrat Party or whatever labels that we're having, and focus on what Massachusetts did decades ago. Right. That's how we're going to really get to made that a plan, and they stuck, and they with stuck it. They stuck to <laughs> it with standards and <laughs> accountability, and that's what we really need. And, and they have, and we're
1: their doing. contracts look just like our contracts. The difference is the state came together and put in a massive infusion of resources and support to their public schools
2: and standards <laughs> and accountability. Right. And that's, right. And until we get to that point, that's what we really need.
3: So you know, with this commissioner, when she came to Rhode Island, she said she didn't want to put her students in the Providence School Department uh, school system. But this new contract, her own kids, kids, does this contract make her want to do that now? Well, what what about the what about what Lisa said about the politics?
0: Let's get this contract. Dan McKee, the lover of the charter schools, has has over the years traditionally not done well with the unions. What about that thread that he wants to get through the election and this buys him time to get through it?
1: I think he wants the Providence schools to open peacefully and be able to move forward. And and the burden's on my side, so to speak, to prove that that we can do so, as long as we have the resources to do so. I mean, the, the next year's governor's race is a complicated thing. I've said in multiple forums that I think Dan McKee, as the incumbent, is now the front runner. So the folks supporting people who aren't Dan McKee call and yell at me. I said, look, sometimes I'm here as an analyst. What I'm telling you is an incumbent. Who is got the backing of the Democratic Governors Association, the ability to raise money, the ability to have the bully pulpit, and do some uh, uh, important things for Rhode Island when money's coming in, and hopefully we're getting ahead of this pandemic, is going to be the front runner. Um, from a how my organization and uh, the two teachers uh, organizations and labor in general decides, everything's going to be weighed in the balance. You want to give a scorecard early on. Uh, A-plus uh, for Dan McKee as governor in getting teachers vaccinated made it a marquee issue. That helped. That helped us get kids back to school before the end of the school year. A-plus on getting a contract in the city of Providence. Still doesn't get a passing grade on charter schools, but no one else is think, stepping uh, up on uh, that. Lisa grade on the curve. there. Uh, you know. uh,
0: uh, <laughs> she thinks you're grading on the
1: curve. I
3: mean, to say yeah. that, he, you know, give him an A-plus because he got a contract... Uh, with, with the teachers' union, what did he have to give up? I mean, why couldn't he do more with it? So I... Well, I he's, he's,
0: he asked the question. I said, how do you agree But we still well,
1: what disagree what was with the, the,
3: the whole Schindler's point? Schools? So <laughs> I remember you being on
0: this show, and I talked about the, the state takeover allowed them to go in and impose. And you said, I could hear you going, I uh, will wind up in court. No, in court. A long court, court battle. Impose. But what about the state coming in and doing it? That gave them the ability to no, be able they to didn't come have in. that. It's, it's, you think that was going to be a
1: long court battle? I, I think... That yeah, and I think it's a court battle they would have. What lost. what were they night?
0: going to impose?
1: So let's go back to the course. What were they going to impose that would have been held up? Some seniority provision that is inconsistent with everything and every collective bargaining agreement in this part of the country? They were going to impose that. Why? What was the underlying basis? Because you know, because Jorge says, Oh, it's too hard to fire a teacher, therefore we have to have seen. If Jorge Alorzer is telling the public that Gee, we have teachers who aren't acceptable, and I don't know how to fire them. But I'm going to use seniority provisions to move them around. What he's telling them is, I know there's a teacher who shouldn't be working, and I'm just going to shuffle them somewhere else. How did that work out for the Diocese of Providence with priests, right? What, what about that? <laughs> Alan? Uh,
2: all I can tell you is, it's not an easy answer right now because I agree with him that I, um, Dan is probably the front runner in this, being the power of incumbency. He gut that contract to buy the labor piece. Um, but there certainly are a lot of changes that still need to be made throughout, you know, as was identified, you know, in that Hopkins report, as what I've identified, resources that, you know, need to be made to the core root of the problem, that what's going on in Providence and all the areas. All it is is, is buying some time for some labor piece, hopefully getting – not only just the uh, AFT support, but maybe buying some NEA support, you know along the lines, but does it really get him there? You know, time will tell. It's still early on. We have over a year before the election you know comes through, and you have a lot of candidates that are in that, you know, democratic primary. And you know, from a legal perspective, he is probably right, because we're already in court right now on the continuing contract uh, litigation that a lot of the cities and towns, you know, are still pending a uh, lawsuit right now. Uh, going through it from a legal perspective on the pension side, you know, that ended up for Cranston all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. So there, no matter what was going to happen, you will have some legal challenges, but there are also Fights that needed to be fought, too.
0: All right. Talking about the governor's race, I would be remiss if I did not ask, will we see Alan Fung 3.0? Hey, don't
2: Ooh. even start with that right now. Well, we've been
0: talking about you the last couple of weeks. Now we
2: can talk to you and with you. I'm a partner at Pannon Lopes, Devero and O'Gara. Yeah.
0: You got a better gig. Yeah. <laughs> No, seriously, we, Ser- I mean, I had to bring it up because we, a lot of people have been floating your name and others, and, and I up know and it's... Up and down
1: the ballot. I don't know if he's going to run for treasurer, too. Well, <laughs>
2: <laughs> why do I have to make any decisions You now? don't.
0: You know, <laughs> we always look at scoops, right? right? What about, quickly, about the, uh, on the Democratic side? It looks like potentially Helena folks. now we're hearing. Uh, it's, 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 it's getting to be a crowded field, but do you agree with Alan's assessment that Dan McKee looks to be in pretty good shape right now?
3: today. Yeah. He does. So, you know, we I've been watching over the past number of months. Uh, like I said before, he had a honeymoon. He came in. We all talked about all how the moon starts and, you know, everything was aligned for him in right. terms of the budget and the vaccine or whatever. But the Providence teacher's contract, when you're in the governor's office, it's like the tennis ball machine coming at you, you mm. know. So everything is coming at you and how you're dealing with it. So we'll find out, Bob, you know, if, if this has been a transformational contract. And, you know, maybe 10 years from now we'll be on and say, you know, how better the school system is or not because of it, but he still has to deal with the Eleanor Slater Hospital issue. You know, that's an issue. He's going to have to step in in the city of Providence in other ways, too. I mean, that pension issue is just really hovering, you know, a real dark cloud over it, you know, for the whole state. So it's still there's a number of things that will be coming up that we'll have to see as governor how well he's going to handle it.
0: He's also going to have some issues coming up with the Delta variant now coming with COVID. Now, he's held the line and said, look, I don't think we need to pull the alarm if there's not a fire. The numbers are going up. The hospitalizations, as Pablo last week said, Dr. Rodriguez, said it's a lagging indicator. Our numbers look pretty good right now, but you wonder what he's going to do. They're have he's having his first COVID briefing in a long time next Tuesday. W- how does that factor into to his playing um, going forward, Bob?
1: If you think about, it's a good transition question on the politics of the governor's race. What are the two big factors? I, Providence really isn't because it's not his responsibility to fix Providence. COVID is. And, and and it has been. That's the big. And then there is always the randomness. You you mess up a snowstorm, everything else is off the table, and right. you're in trouble. You do great in a snowstorm. You Joe Garagi and the flannel shirt goes to the museum, and you got the job as long as you want it. Um, I'm very worried about the new COVID numbers. Uh, The Delta variant has a transmission rate significantly above the others. If you listen to Dr. Fauci uh, and the the national experts, which I have to do, because it impacts the opening of schools, they're worried about some future Greek letter version of uh, that has a higher transmission rate. You don't hear about the ones that don't spread. You hear about the ones that have a high transmission rate. Um, I think that uh, Rhode Island uh, has been great in getting folks vaccinated. Uh, There's still a lot of work to be done, but ahead of the curve. I think we've done very well with the public communications on this. Uh, You know, Dr. Alexander Scott, Dr. McDonald, Dr. Chan, people know who they are. Um, And that's wonderful. You know, leading public health officials talking about public health is a good thing. Um, But I cannot predict how, as this Delta uh, variant spreads, and we're seeing the uptick in the numbers in this region, in this state. Uh, how that's going to impact uh, day one in school. It, uh, and maybe I'll get to it when we get to outrages. It breaks my heart to see people who do not have the background and experience on these issues to say, well, my kid shouldn't wear a mask because. I say, well, are you an epidemiologist or a doctor? If not, then you yeah, really should be kind of live weighing in the blue in. bubble
0: up here. You see what's going on in other parts of the country, and it's kind of scary. You look at Florida, you look at Texas, Louisiana, that the rates have just gone crazy. We fortunately, because I think of some of the public policy, are doing better up here in New England.
2: Well, I don't think it's because you're red or blue. The bottom line for me in Rhode Island is we can't go afford to go backwards. You know, with the variants, which are, you know, extremely dangerous and not impacting just us, you're seeing a lot more of the younger individuals, some, uh, I would probably say a majority of them, who haven't gotten vaccinated that are getting this variant, which is scary. And what we cannot afford to do is, if we're seeing that uh, numbers go, we have to follow the science. We have to make sure that we do whatever is necessary to follow and provide the resources, whether it's mass getting more vaccinations in the arms, the boosters. You know, I had the uh, Moderna shot. They're talking about coming out with the booster. Get that in your arm. We cannot afford to shut down our economy again because to have it come to a screeching halt like we did countrywide, it's not healthy. It's not going to happen either. Or as we say in Rhode Island, Moderna. Um,
0: (laughs) Just quickly before we go to outrages,
2: thoughts on the COVID? So,
3: you know, it started with trying to get people to get vaccinated, and there was a large number that wanted to get it for their own health and the health of those around them. Then we started to do incentives to try to move the next – group of people who didn't want to get. Now we're talking about mandates. So we know, you know, from Governor McKee that the um, institutions of higher education, all of them have been mandated for our students to come back or for them to come back. They'll be mandated to have their vaccination. More are coming on board for their staff and faculty to do it. And now he's even looking at should he mandate state workers to do it. So it's really trying to get people to understand the best way to handle this is to get vaccinated.
0: All right uh, outrageous and or kudos. Let's keep it tight. Mr. Walsh, uh, tightly. Rhode Island's a great state.
1: We rally together. If a young person has a fatal disease, if, uh, a teenager is in an accident, if a young adult, uh, needs help, we do fundraisers and bake sales and publicity for ALS. We pour water over our heads. We do a lot to help folks in need. This isn't hard. Getting vaccinated isn't hard. Pretend it's the one person because we've got 140,000 public school students and the ones under 12 can't get a vaccination yet. If someone says it's time to wear this again, just please do it. If someone says you're eligible to get vaccinated and you haven't done it yet, for the love of God or for the love of that one student whose life you may save or you clear out a space in the hospital so someone in need who doesn't have covid can get a bed, and it's not taken by someone with COVID. It breaks my heart with these folks in on a ventilator saying, "I was wrong. I was wrong." So please, folks, Rhode Island's in the lead. Let's let's take it home and get that last two hundred thousand people vaccinated. Then we won't have to wear these.
0: All right, we'll get the crew to cut that out as a separate PSA. <laughs> <laughs> Run right on the
3: loop. Lisa, what do you have this week? Uh, when I was on the show in March, the allegations started coming out against uh, New York Governor Cuomo uh, about his inappropriate behavior. And I was outraged that even in this time after the Me Too movement, we were seeing this happen. Well, this week, the Attorney General in New York concluded her investigation, speaking to 179 witnesses, 11 women coming forward courageously to share their story. And what is outrageous is that he's been out there publicly saying, that he denies that anything happened. So either he is lying or he's not recognizing that what he did it was wrong. So either well, way. Well, and then
0: he said, I didn't get my side of the story across. She interviewed him, right? That's
2: right. So, Alan, what do you have? Actually, I have a kudo and an outrage. All right. On the kudo side, within my community, there was a lot of great Asian pride when we saw Suni Lee become the first Asian-American gymnast to win a gold. She was great. You know, she was fantastic. So... A lot of pride that's going out uh, all across the country and all across the globe for her. Uh, my outrage, bringing it back locally, Kate Coy McCoy with her uh, Twitter tweet because it wasn't just once. We're seeing now it's been historic. She really should resign. Um, you know, This is what's wrong right now with politics. You're taking it to that level on, on both sides when you're talking about, oh, death, killing of other individuals. Where is that civility? We've got to bring that back. And social media, too, because, I mean, this
0: is something years ago you never would have said that to a reporter that would have gotten to the media. Now people can tweet. And I always say take a breath before you tweet, right? (laughs) Well,
1: I think the saying is everyone on social media eventually apologizes for something on social media, except for the former president. Kate apologized She's been doing this for 30 years. Admittedly, she's a friend of mine. She made a mistake. It was a very inappropriate not, thing to not say. Not the first time. Very, well, not
2: the first time, Bob. People,
1: some people shouldn't tweet.
0: And and that goes into the our house. Final, final <laughs> <opinion> <laughs> so, words from the Republican strategist.
3: <laughs> and exactly. If it was Republican who did right. what she did... The he Democrats could start an
2: insurrection
1: was, and it wouldn't be investigated by his colleagues. I remember back in
2: 2014, yeah. she called out... Uh, my campaign spokesperson at that time. i (laughs) got to hold you there. We'll
0: continue this What's fair is fair. Folks, thank you for joining us. Bob and Alan, (laughs) uh, take it out in the backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Good to see you. Folks, come back here next week. Uh, uh, We've got a lot going on, but we will have it all covered for you as the Lively Experiment continues. Have a great weekend. Lively experiment
1: is generously underwritten by.
2: For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS.